0: Hello, dear listeners. This is your host, Mike Linhan, with a friendly reminder that there are spoilers ahead. So if you have not already read, watched, or immersed yourself in today's topic, please pause the episode, go do that, and then rejoin us for our conversation. So with that being said, let us go back to the episode. done up all pretty for this um all right let me
1: braid your beard if we're gonna do a video podcast
0: (laughs) for some reason i just pictured it like uh handsome uh squidward just with the cleft chin and all that that's that's my go-to response with that and it's always terrifying because i hate it i i don't like that um uh so if you uh were to categorize the rings of power in one word what would it be i know what the word is
1: is it rage it is rage
0: uh yeah rage well obviously there's more to it than rage but uh there's one character in particular that is just encapsulated in anger throughout and uh Uh, The epitome of God has allowed me to live another day and I'm about to make it everybody's problem.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. Just absolute chef kiss of
0: rage. (laughs) So welcome back, friends, Romans, countrymen. We are on to part three of our Tolkien series and the last, at least for now, of that uh, franchise. Uh, And today... Sorry. Sorry where are my manners once again this is mike's millennial falcon you're listening to mike linehan and once again joined by my wife angela
1: hello uh
0: who is very very gracious that i appreciate her lots uh so today we are going to be discussing the rings of power um the prime video series that um kind of served as a prequel to lord of the rings and all that um and I guess discuss a little bit of what our thoughts on it and where it's supposed to go because there is supposed to be a season two I'm not sure what to make of that yet but um, um starting from the top um, I am right in assuming you didn't read The Silmarillion right? No. No.
1: No if I wasn't going to read The Hobbit I'm certainly not going to read The Silmarillion. <laughs>
0: So I think we covered previously that um, I had gotten into Lord of the Rings and then I got the Silmarillion as a gift, which uh, I was going through it and reading this collection of tales from the creation of Middle-earth to uh, the first Dark Lord Morgoth and the elves' war against him and all the tragedies that came from it. And, you know, coming from a Catholic perspective, my, you know, conclusion was like, oh, this is like the Bible, but for Middle-earth. Now, having grown a little older, being a little bit more technical, like, there are Christian elements, since Tolkien was Catholic, you can kind of see that in the character of Morgoth, of, like, the first and most powerful of the Valar, that the gods, but also the most proud and then who rebels, so very much a Lucifer figure. But then the rest is a lot of like Norse mythology and just old English um tales. Um of course I didn't really appreciate that when I was younger, but it was an interesting collection of stories that, you know, flesh out, you know, this entire world and I would say that rivals um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones obviously we get a lot more drama to start um, and then they kind of backtrack with you know, um, uh, what was the book called? It, it gave the history of the Targaryens and all that but like this I feel like Tolkien was among the first to like really dive in and like world build in s- to such an extent because you see that a little bit with C.S. Lewis and Narnia and that whole series but Token of course had to one up his friend, I think, and just go all out. So, um, so first off, it is worth noting that the show Rings of Power is not the Silmarillion per se. Um, f- I was looking a little bit into it because I was also confused, expecting it to be like episodic or an anthology of sorts, like the original book. But the Tolkien Estate owns the rights to the Silmarillion. So technically, they drew from parts of the book, I believe, mostly from the appendices of The Lord of the Rings and also some lost tales, quote-unquote, and kind of had to get a little creative. So this introduced us to new characters and storylines and omitted the Silmarils themselves. So... I don't know. I go back and forth on this because I'm not sure it would have made a huge difference for the direction that they went. But originally, uh, the, the way they explained it in the show was um, we have Galadriel, a very young Galadriel with her brother living in Valinor, essentially the promised land, land of the gods. Everything is great. Well, except for childhood bullying, apparently it's still a thing. Um, But they got the two trees, which is like the light uh, and their life force. Um, Morgoth um, uh, destroys the trees. That's all we hear about in that. And then they uh, swear vengeance against him and follow him to Middle Earth and wage war. It goes on for centuries. That's what we get. Now in the Silmarillion, we get a little bit more detail where technically this wasn't his first rebellion against Eru, who is like the one god. Um, who created all the other littler gods. Um, So he grew jealous of the elves and how they're uh, favored by his father, essentially. So he uh, got the help of Ungoliant, essentially a primordial spider who even the gods don't know where she came from. And he basically got her help to destroy the trees. Um, They fled he killed the elven king stole the simurals which captured the light of the two trees fled to middle earth and then the prince fainor who became the king of the elves um and his sons basically said screw this guy we hate him he deserves our hate also screw the gods for not doing more to protect us from this guy um We're going to chase him, and in doing so, they kill their brethren, basically commit genocide (laughs) against another bunch of elves who have the ships, and they steal the ships and go to Middle-earth. So, I guess it comes down to taking the Silmarils, for the most part, out of that equation. Does it turn into a copyright issue, or is it lazy writing? Does it change the story from honorable vengeance, or is it just vanity?
1: What do you mean they took out the Silmarils?
0: So the Silmarils were jewels that um, the elves had created that captured the light of those two trees.
1: Yeah, they, they were mentioned in there. That was the only reason I knew they existed. So... Uh, I, but the whole story with the spider and how yeah. exactly they came about was definitely omitted. Well, the
0: thing is, they're referenced, but the stealing of the simmerils is why the book is called The Silmarillion. It's all about taking the jewels back and avenging what was done to them which turns into the death of thousands of elves and also the destruction of middle earth but it's really just referenced
1: yeah it's more made out to be like that morgoth was the reason that they went to war rather than the simurils
0: right and it's it that was like partially the case so i don't know does does taking the simurals out like i know it's kind of like a copyright thing but do you think it makes it seem more noble that you know they were just seeking to avenge you know what was done to them taking literally the light out of their home um or does it kind of remove the element that like there was a little bit of hubris and vanity to this as well
1: I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily got that from the show. So,
0: And I feel like in the show they have plenty of times that they are very proud to the point of stupidity. Um, so it's not like that's totally absent. Um, it's just I don't know. I, I I, just as we were watching the show I came piece to piece with the fact that like it wasn't the Silmarillion. They had to go a different direction. Maybe somewhere down the line, I would like to see some sort of anthology that kind of took all these, like, separated tales and, you know, would bring them, you know, into the mainstream more. But for what it's worth, I think they did okay. It's just, you know, coming to uh, balance with that's the differences between the stories and the direction that they had to go or decided to go. Like, some of it was obviously, like... This has no basis in the stories. We're just doing what we want. Um, so there's that. Um, and another thing that kept coming up was I was guilty of this myself when I first ho- heard about the series and that Galadriel was this warrior princess sort of person. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I, I was like, that's not real. That's not the case. Um, and I was going back and looking at it. And in my defense, I haven't read the Silmarillion since, like, middle school or early high school. Um, and sh- it says she was a warrior in her youth. You know, we have this image of her being more regal, but also still terrifying at points as oh, yes. a queen. Uh, but um, she still, um she still was a warrior. And, you know kind of earned that title as being more fiery-spirited in her younger years. Now, granted, she does kind of go a lot more like John Wick or Kill Bill with, like, Sauron is the reason for my suffering. I'm going to kill this asshole, this guy, and literally drag my soldiers across frozen tundras to find this guy after hundreds of years. Um, But I think it was worth just saying that, like, it was in the stories that she did fight at some point, though it was never really specific what her role was, but I kind of like, you know, having this origin story where she, um, could be more involved, you know, hands-on in the conflict. Whereas Elrond, as we saw in the series, is more of like the politician, kind of like the diplomat, so to speak. Um the commentary i kind of already got onto like the uh, silmarillion is different from the rings of power um so it, it is what it is so to move on to i uh, kind of broke into sections uh the bad and the weird there's good stuff that i like but i figure it kind of touch upon the weird stuff to begin with um first of that is sauron's mark um You know, this mysterious sigil that they have throughout the show. And then when they land on Numenor, it's revealed that it, in fact, it's not a symbol. It's just the geography of the Southlands, which they eventually turned into Mordor. I honestly thought it would have been cooler as a sigil. It kind of felt kind of lame to make it into like, it's just the mountain range and whatnot.
1: I don't hate that. What I do find hard to believe is that no elf ever recognized that it was the geography of the Southlands. They have been around for how many years?
0: Apparently they're not looking at many maps. Apparently they're not looking at all. (laughs) They've got that sharp eyesight, but they can't see shit. Um, Yeah, it's... uh, I still think it would have been cooler as a symbol of some sort of Sauron, but they... Also, like... Why would that be his symbol throughout? Like, it's like taking like instead of having the American flag be colors, it's like having the layout of America as your American flag as you're like, it's just Mount Rushmore. It's just Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm picturing like oh, Mount Doom and, Mount Doom as a campaign poster like, yes, we can ruin everything.
1: No, it would be so perfect, though, because Mount Rushmore was a mountain range that we stole from Native Americans <laughs> and just did sacrilegious things, too.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that might be a little too much to unpack. Um, so, there's that. Um, point number two. I love fantasy. But once in a while, my rational brain tries too hard to wrap around what the hell they're talking about. And in this case... The origin of Mithril being a fight between an elf and a Balrog around a tree that held a Simaril and got struck by lightning and the power of their duel sent veins of this ore through the mountain and that became Mithril that still embodied some of the light of the Simaril. But it's also because the Simrils have the light of Valinor which was like the life force of the elves and their immortality that they that having mithril whatever that meant would save the elves i don't know how that works i don't know how having a rock saves the elves from mortality how they were going to go about it does everyone wear hats or helmets made out of mithril that
1: So I assumed that they were just going to get a bunch of it and like shove it under the tree, but then they made rings out of it. So now I don't, I don't know how to answer that.
0: Well, I don't think that tree was even necessarily the source of their light. It was just a representative of their...
1: Yes, but we also don't know why it was dying, do we?
0: Besides the, they'd
1: overstayed their welcome. Was that it?
0: Um, Middle Earth was the like return begun. of evil of some sort. Again, being Sauron awakening somehow. Um, I don't know.
1: I mean, my suspension of disbelief. I could understand the like formation of light and evil working together has somehow made a solution for this. Mm -hmm. Like, I get the concept, but I get where you're struggling of, like, what does it actually do?
0: And I think we had discussed privately, too, that, like, this elven warrior, the most pure of elven warriors, apparently. Yeah, good thing he was fighting today, huh? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Good thing Jackal Goodheart over there was having a good time today.
0: (laughs) And, like, uh, how did they describe it? Like, as pure, as good, as as unbreakable, as evil. I'm like, I'm not sure those are qualities. So I
1: guess the part that I'm struggling with is that the elves are supposed to be, like, the symbolic good. Mm-hmm. And, like, I get it.
0: But they're just elves.
1: You know what I mean? Like, they're... <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think
0: that's part of the point, too, is that, like, they were created as a brighter version of like man like there are still like these higher creations but like also that went to their heads a bit yeah so So they got gifted with immortality essentially but they're also can be assholes so maybe they don't deserve that so It, it depends so there's that um I don't necessarily think this was bad I just don't know how to feel about it so the whole Sauron fake-out. So, um, I do, I, we've spoiled a, a bit already, but, like, I apologize if you're listening. Go watch the show. It's not, like, mind-blowing, but it's worth it. But the fake-out that they had with Sauron, because they, like, dropped these hints that Sauron has returned. They've got this stranger land from a asteroid, essentially, among the Harfoots, the hobbits, and they've got all the, ooh, he's really spooky, and maybe there's something else. And they, these weird witches that follow him and they find him, they're like, you're Lord Sauron. Then it's like, turns out, oh, actually, maybe he's not. And then it's like, surprise, it was Hallbrand or Halbrand all this time. I can't, I don't, it's hard to tell for me if that was like done intentionally and it was well done, or if it was like half ass and they were just like bullshitting for most of the season and they're like well it feels a little too obvious why don't we switch it
1: yeah to be fair when he fell from the sky i was like is that jesus <laughs> is that the the jesus insert in this story it's as c.s lewis got to him yes
0: it's Aslan. um jesus lion
1: <laughs> but i didn't pick up i think it was planned from the beginning by the writers, but I didn't pick up on the possible Halbrand switch until about mid-season. But from what you were saying, the actor who played Halbrand also didn't know that
0: he was Sauron until well, almost mid-season as well. Until almost mid-season, right? Um, so, and I it, mean, I think that helped them a lot. In full disclosure, even though I give my students crap all the time for reading ahead, I did spoil myself a little bit. He also, I've seen the some...
1: worst spoiler,
0: <laughs> the worst. Um, (laughs) so i i kind of knew that he was but i i was still like up to the last moment going like so i know he's the bad guy but like he's playing the good guy pretty well except for that one tavern brawl where he broke a man's arm and smashed another person's face into the wall and i was like ooh, that's scary
1: yeah but that also kind of played into his his cover story of like i've done terrible things you yes. know, I he could have just been an orc mercenary for all we know. Hmm. I mean, okay. they were definitely beating up women and children. So, like,
0: I also just had the thought: like, does this run dangerously cr- close to Edward Cullen? I'm, I'm just a predator. I'm just a dangerous person. You should stay away from me. No. No.
1: No, it doesn't.
0: <laughs> Maybe just toxic. I've done terrible things that I will not elaborate what I have done that is terrible until later on when it's convenient to mention that. By the way, those terrible things, I'm the Dark Lord. (laughs) Um, So, I think it was interesting. I I don't know about the stranger uh, part of it with uh, the Harfoots and how they swapped that around. Because, again, I was looking at it and like, oh, the first episode or two, I'm like, oh, maybe that is Sauron. But it didn't... Like I, I could picture, for some reason I could picture Galadriel and the elves being purposely deceived but there's just something about the Harfoots and the stranger as he was called that like I, was like I just couldn't bring myself to believe like oh yes this is really a bad guy this is going to be the villain in the story like I I maybe I just hoped too much for Nori's sake that she wasn't going to be duped and then it's like winds up like nursing back to health this evil uh, being yeah I don't know just kind of thinking a lot I suppose Um, I will I will still find an issue with like Halbrand just being on a raft with a bunch of people in the middle of the sea again we don't know how we got there but
1: yeah to be fair he was also the most unbothered person on that raft <laughs> like he knew he was gonna make it he did not care
0: yeah well, again, if, if knowing that he was Sauron and he could survive, like he's essentially a semi-divine being. Um, still being said, uh, I don't think he wants to spend the next few thousand years in the belly of a sea serpent. Um, True. <laughs> this is not how I imagined my life would turn out. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I guess that makes sense. Um, my last part, as far as just the bad or the weird, is the witches, possibly a, a cult of Sauron. We never really get many details about them. They were really creepy, especially the whole like changing skins thing, just, ooh. um, But they were gone way too soon. Like we didn't even meet them till about halfway through. They don't, they barely say like, maybe like 10 lines total. Like, In explaining who the stranger is, or who they think he is, and then they're uh, uh, eviscerated, essentially.
1: Yeah, but they... I feel like... Sorry. No, that's me. Yeah, they were definitely gone way too soon. I feel like they didn't explain anything about them. And the part of this universe that confuses me the most is that all magic seems to tie back to these divine beings. So the fact that they could do magic, like, were they divine in some way? Mm -hmm. Like the elves?
0: That is a good question. They they seemed human, but um, perhaps if they're supposed to be witches, which I think I'd read somewhere there's... They were inspired by the witches in Macbeth, which I find, you know, as an English teacher, kind of interesting. Um, but the idea that they had these powers that they accessed, but they weren't necessarily divine. I think in The Hobbit, like Saruman, when they're talking about the Necromancer, which is really Sauron, um, being like, oh, this isn't Sauron. He's ju- This is just a human sorcerer who's dabbled in black magic. So it does still exist. We just don't really see much of it apart from these divine beings of some sort. So, and again, I, I understand they were probably just kind of like a precursor of foes to come or, you know, to serve as exposition of a sort for this mysterious character, but it felt a little bit like wasted potential.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So, maybe we'll see. Maybe they're not really dead. Maybe they're kind of like the Ringwraiths where they seem to have died, but they're not really.
1: the other part that confused me is when they were, like, fading out to skeletons. It looked like some of them were wearing crowns. Did I, like, make that
0: up? You know what? I'd have to revisit that. Um,
1: They looked like the the undead in that Aragorn, Aragorn goes to... Appeal to,
0: like that's the, what they the Nazgul, me the of. the ring wraiths how they looked in their true forms. The green people. The I what? The
1: green people.
0: The green. Oh, know. the. I don't oh know. What God, they were the, called. the ghostly ones. I thought you're. <laughs> yes, talking about the those ones.
1: Oh, okay. that's what it looked like when they were fading away. And I don't know if that was done on purpose or if it's just like this mold is already here. Let's use it.
0: Right. Uh, I think is. The people of the mountains or i forget what their technical title was but um the ones who broke their oath Um, yes those ones um that is a good question i don't know um i don't know again if they were just humans they seem to uh get uh uh take advantage of this stranger and kind of toss him around a bit even if he's but he didn't really have his identity or his full power unlocked until like a few moments later. So I don't know. I still think it would have been cool to have some context or explanation, even a passing, like, you know, we have been in service to you since your fall. We've been searching. Like they, they kind of did that, but like we didn't have any real explanation for who they were, why they have these powers or, you know, what their greater purpose was besides finding their lost savior, I suppose, and bringing him back. Yeah. So th- that kind of touches upon most of my complaints, if you will. Um, Onto the good stuff. Um, I think we both just were living for Galadriel and just her rage just throughout.
1: No, seriously. The actress did like a really good job of just like... She was just the embodiment of rage throughout the show. And even when she wasn't raging, her <laughs> expressions, they were so subtle in their changes and inflections. And just, she just did such a great job.
0: Like, it, it, and it, I think, kind of sets up later for the, like, she's beautiful, but also scary. In this case, she's mostly just scary. But a little beautiful. Like, even her, when she's being nice, it, like, there's some sort of, like, stoniness about her that you're like, I, yeah. I don't want to be on her bad side. Um, and, you know, we get to see her be a little brash, I suppose, if you could call that of a being who's hundreds of years old and still considered young. But um, it was interesting to see that and the pride and vanity. And just the, you know, vengeance, um, not be tempered per se, but just, um, see that kind of growth through the season two of like understanding, like I need to play well with others, um, and that I could still fight evil, but I shouldn't, you know, lose myself like, and fade into just this one defining feature of myself. Mm-hmm um uh also a relatively minor character i suppose but waldrig the i think he was like the blacksmith in the town of the southlands um and wind up being like a defector to Adar and the orcs you know to save his own skin i've i personally like i like the character but there are points that like i would get whiplash sometimes from Like the way they reframed as either this just kind of like pathetic guy trying to save his own skin and groveling to being like kind of like actually scary and sinister. Like whether it was in his expressions or his actions where he seemed to almost be like in control of himself as like an like a force of evil. But I don't know.
1: I feel like that whiplash occurred because they didn't flesh him out as a character at all.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Like he literally was there when the elf showed up to check on the town and then we don't see him again. And then all of a sudden he's now like, oh yeah, by the way, I was evil the whole time. Like, I feel like we didn't really get a chance to actually know anything about him.
0: Right. But, like, it happened a little bit after that, too, because, like, he grabs Theo's head. and is like, have you heard of the beautiful servant? Have you heard of Sauron? Just, uh, the, like, he has those creepy moments, but then when he goes to Adar, he's, like, groveling and being like, I pledge my servitude to you. Like, what? What was that? I don't know what that accent is. You, you know, I'm terrible <laughs> with these. It's like, <laughs> I pledge my allegiance to you, Sauron. Adar picks him up, slams him on the ground. It's like, okay, whoever you are, I pledge my allegiance. And then, they make him kill the kid and he's like, Well, screw it. <laughs> he's just I'm gonna kill this kid. But then he goes like, What shall we do, Lord Father? Like grovelling, but then like he's the one tasked with like unlocking the dam that starts the whole thing with Mount Doom and all that. Um Like there's points where I'm like he could be a force unto himself. But then It it's it kinda of felt a little bit like Drawing a parallel with like the Malfoys in Harry Potter, where like they can be like intimidating and scary, but also kind of pathetic at points too.
1: I'm going to tell my father.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, even uh, Lucius Malfoy was also a similar way. Like I'm, I'm scary going to
1: tell Lord Voldemort.
0: And then Lord Voldemort moves into your house and eats all your food, and basically is like you're on my bad side, so I'm keeping my eye on you.
1: I've stolen your wand.
0: Yes. I've stolen your wand, and also your son is going to go on a suicide mission to kill Dumbledore.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a fair a fair comparison.
0: <laughs> so it's interesting to see that. Um, I know there are some, not myself, I didn't really care all that much, but there are some fans who were pushing against the fact that they cast people of color into what was predominantly like a british themed fantasy you know um you know the hobbits the elves the men mostly white british people you know in a way um obviously they changed it up you know just kind of like smattering you know uh people of color with the harfoots with the elves with the men with the dwarves like it seemed like color um or sorry uh, ethnicity didn't matter to it um So I admit it didn't need to happen in the way that, like, the story is set up. I think it was interesting to do that. And by the same token, like, what does it matter if they change the color of these characters' skins? Um, Especially if they are original characters, like, what does it matter? Like, in this world, clearly, melanin doesn't play a part in their stories so like
1: i also feel like we're the two weirdest people to be having this
0: conversation (laughs) the weirdest or the whitest people to be the whitest (laughs) it's so
1: white um but yeah no i think (laughs) so people got used to seeing the white characters from lotar which is fine because he did base the story off of a lot of like scottish and english apparently jewish stereotypes
0: very very white people
1: (laughs) but also like if your suspension of disbelief ends at a character's melanin like you really weren't invested in the story right i feel like because like i could not have picked a better actress to play disa
0: oh my god yeah she did
1: killed it knocked it out of the park yeah i could not have picked somebody better
0: but, like, it was interesting, too, because I feel like the stereotype would be like, oh, she was a black woman, but playing, like, the sassy black woman as, but that wasn't what no. she, she was just a strong female, female character. character, and that was it, that was fine, like, there was no, like, uh, like racial, like, stereotyping in there that you know plays out sometimes like yeah
1: and if we were to really dive into it like you really shouldn't have a problem with people of different skin tones being the elves because in this story they are the embodiment of good and that's just like that's like an icky path to ooh. go down you know what i mean <laughs> like only certain skin tones can be good like f you
0: <laughs> because the converse is like going into the bible and saying oh yes the mark of cain that they that mark was obviously black skin, so they're... <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Oopsies. Um, but, yeah, again, it doesn't matter. And as proof of, it doesn't matter. I have to, I should have been more prepared for this, but I swear, the original uh, Nick Fury from Marvel Comics was white and blonde-haired, and there's an awful movie with David Hasselhoff.
1: David Hasselhoff?
0: As Nick Fury. David Hasselhoff, and no one has complained about Samuel Jackson, as far as I know, being Nick Fury. No one has complained about that,
1: as they shouldn't,
0: because he is terrifying and he is excellent in that role, and that's fine. So if you're not going to complain about them changing the skin color for Nick Fury, fuck off. I don't care about your your petty bullshit about skin color in Tolkien. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Sorry, went on a tirade. It's fine. Anyway, um, so this is where I go into even more nerdiness as far as history parallels. I promise, I'm sure Tolkien didn't envision every single thing he wrote to be a metaphor for world war and just industrialization and devastation. But looking at this, it was interesting for me to interpret some of the parallels with the situation so when we first meet the southlands they are basically being monitored by the elves because those men had sided with morgoth in the great war they lost they were humiliated and now they're being monitored by the good guys but they the good guys assume that like oh it's not because we're not watching them because of what they did it's because of who they still are like they will turn in a moment's notice to the dark side um or to the darkness rather um, which to me felt a lot like World War I where the, you know, French and the Germans were, you know, had an ancient like rivalry against each other to begin with. And then when the Germans lost, uh, the Allies and the French in particular took every opportunity to humiliate the Germans and deprive them of like, kind of like strip them of that pride or whatever, It'd be like, you guys are the losers, we own you now. Which kind of set the grounds. And
1: also, didn't they like completely ration their food? Like, wasn't there like a huge shortage of food?
0: I don't remember the specifics of that. I wouldn't doubt it. I it, just... Just remember
1: that kind of contributing
0: to the desperation of the people who were now starving. Right. Which they didn't really do in this show, but uh, see the parallels with that sort of, like, occupation and the, like, bitterness about, like, why do you still hold it against us? Like, you're talking about our ancestors from gen- from centuries before, in some cases. Uh, I think they said they were stationed there at least 79 years. But before that, like, probably hundreds of years. Like, our ancestors did this. Why are you still holding it against us? We'll rise up against you. Which kind of plays into the whole, like, return of the true king of the Southlands, which, if we're still sticking with the Germany... Metaphor in this case probably means Hitler <laughs> because King of the Southlands turns out to be Sauron. So well, he
1: was just pretending to be King of the Southlands, he wasn't actually,
0: it wasn't actually, but it was a convenient cover for that. So,
1: so the what you're saying is that he was drawing from real world experiences,
0: yes. And once again, we see Tolkien loved nature, hated. You know industrialization and like warehouses and all that stuff so i forget which episode it might be episode four or something when they're all working the elves are captured and they're working in that trench like you can see the devastation of the land and you know again it's literally digging a trench tolkien was in world war one where they fought in trenches so you get to see it, it in in Rings of Power is actually probably a little greener because it wasn't just all mud and sadness and rain but it still you know kind of parallels um his views in that sense too so I think it stays true to what he was you know some of his central themes in his writing yeah um once again I feel like we are reminded of the power of friendship um I was a little disappointed we didn't have more with Elrond and Galadriel, but, I mean, granted, their journeys were just vastly different.
1: Yeah. And I think they were both kind of supposed to be still very young elves trying to establish themselves. So I think that kind of contributed as well.
0: Right. And, uh, like you said, establishing establishing themselves as two very different classes, if you will, if we're using, like, D&D terms, like Elrond is the diplomat the politician. Galadriel is the warrior. And, you know, later on, she'll also be more of the, like, queen, diplomat, whatever.
1: And wasn't it kind of worked in that Elrond was not on the same social ladder as her? I kind of had gotten that vibe, but I don't know if they ever outright said it.
0: Like, as he was lower than her?
1: They kind of made it sound like that because he was only half-elf.
0: It's, uh, It I don't know. is. I'd have to kind of relook at it. it. My understanding of his position is, in a way, he should be respected in a... if not in a superior sense, at least on par with the rest of the elves, because his father was... Oh, God, I forget all the details. But essentially, his father um, was a human, because that seemed to be, always be the case, who fell in love with an elven woman... And his father was a mariner, the a ship uh, a shipman, who, um, or a sailor, sorry, who sailed all the way to the west to the land of the valor, the gods, and pleaded with them to intercede on their behalf to defeat Morgoth. And they were, he was able to convince them to end this, you know, reign of darkness. Um, And then when Elrond and his brother Elros were born, they were given the choice of like which would you want to be, man or elf. Elros chose man, he went on to found Numenor, and that entire line Elrond chose to be elf and remained with the rest of them. So I feel like given his position as a son of the guy who convinced the very gods to fight on their behalf.
1: I think the only inkling that I got that he was like of lower stature to them was when... It was in the very beginning, and they had given him that message, and it was like, yeah, so they're having a conference, but you can't go because it's only elf lords.
0: Well, maybe, or maybe that was the conference where they are discussing their plan with the Mithril, and they kept him, pur- kept him purposely out of it.
1: But they said it was because of his stature.
0: Oh, did they? Or is Well, they-,
1: they said it was only elf lords allowed, and he's i'm assuming not an elf lord
0: (laughs) well yes but he might still be considered an elf just an elf lord that's
1: what i was getting at i think he's considered lower on the status trait
0: okay i could see that like he's still trying to prove himself as i think i forget what they called him he's basically the one writing the speech for his king and whatnot um so like important position but also being used left and right Um, Exactly. Which, um, on the flip side, we get Nori and the Stranger, which, I mean, I'm skipping ahead. I'm just tired of saying the Stranger. I think it is, I think it's safe to say that the Stranger is Gandalf. I think we discussed possibly Saruman, but I also can picture Saruman as Christopher Lee saying things like, When in doubt, follow your nose. Can you picture (laughs) that? When in doubt, follow your nose.
1: Well, there's also the, like, the benefit of the doubt that maybe he wasn't always an asshole.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think it fits in more with, like, Gandalf, for some inexplicable reason, has just loved the hobbits. Like, he's always showing up. He's doing his fireworks thing. He's hanging around the hobbits. This seems to set up an origin for why he has such a connection. But, it. It wasn't my favorite relationship, but I thought it was sweet with Nori, you know, this young Harfoot who's trying to find her way in the world. As she keeps saying, I'm just a little hardfoot in a wide, wide world. Um, And the stranger or Gandalf, who's just like basically amnesiac, doesn't know what he's doing. He's mumbling half the time in a forgotten language um, that it's kind of like a similar relationship as, you know. A child with the BFG, or like the Iron Giant, where it's this terrifying figure, but also good. We just need to see it develop. We hope. We hope. <laughs> uh-huh. But, but also still has great power and is a little scary. So, I think I enjoyed that. Uh, honestly, Nori and Poppy, because Poppy was clearly <laughs> yes, they were so sweet. <laughs> what was the line? Is like. There, there's head sense, and then there's heart sense. It's like, no, there's common sense, and there's nonsense. And if you don't have enough of the first, I'll give you... Or don't have enough of the first, I'll give you some of mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, So that was sweet. Um, Durin and Elrond, just these two Ugh. idiot dudes. Bros. Yes, bros, Absolute exactly. bros.
1: <laughs> Such a good friendship. <laughs> but I think it's because it was so unexpected because the elves have kind of displayed themselves to be uh, basically Pompous? Like, they Pretentious? can't see in front of their own nose type situation mm-hmm. like um but he's he's not like that and that's why they like him
0: right and um hey I, I, elrond of course has his moments of being a total idiot like Episode 2, when he shows up to the dwarves, like, he's gonna welcome me with open arms. Oh, it's only been 20 years? Oh, I missed your wedding. And the birth of your children. Oh, I can see why that would make you mad. (laughs) But, like, he does repair it, mostly because Disa insists that he stays, and she's like, all right, get along, you two. (laughs) Um, But all the banter back and forth, like, there's a few points where Durn slips back into the, like, you're just here because you want something. But, like, Durn has proven himself... As a person who trusts his friend, he's even willing to give Elrond his secret name, but Elrond stops him, saying, "Like you know, you know, save it for the other side." You know, it's it, I I live for that, and I think on one hand, I am a little scared to see what happens from it because it seems like in Lord of the Rings, Elrond didn't have a hugely high opinion of dwarves, or at least
1: at least these dwarves.
0: Yeah, so maybe. So maybe it was fine, or maybe something goes south with Doran. I really hope not, because I can only h- handle so much pain. <laughs> but I
1: mean, he also still invited the dwarves to the council, you know what I mean? If he had a completely low opinion for us, he wouldn't have let them come, you know what I mean?
0: Right, I'm just afraid that it's going to sour somewhere down the line. Whether it's his yeah. fault, or Doran's, or whatever. Um, and, and as far as romances go, Doran and Disa,
1: Ugh otp <laughs> people still say that yes <laughs> that's just excellent excellent romance
0: it it, it was great i'd I love to see it um also this is kind of like a weird side note maybe it just kind of fits in more with the dwarves being kind of like stouter people anyway but like it was kind of interesting to make it see it's like oh here's the dwarf wife which we're seeing the first of and she's not like It's not like the Beowulf, Grendel's mom, Angelina Jolie treatment again. Like, we don't necessarily need to make her into, like, Charlize Theron or Angelina Jolie. We just make her this normal-looking woman who is kick-ass in her own right, and she loves her husband. They love each other. It's great.
1: Yeah, I feel like when they were talking about dwarven women in Lord of the Rings, they always described them as very similar to dwarven men
0: having beards and everything yeah
1: so like they kind of stayed true to that but still made her beautiful in her own right is that what you're trying to say yeah and also
0: the it was kind of like a side note but the resonating thing the like singing to the rocks that was kind of
1: yeah that was a lot of fun
0: yeah um so we had our relationships um i'm also just a sucker for just beautiful design and aesthetics i mean the dwarves were kind of cool but always the elven halls and like
1: Oh, I mean, even just the, um, oh my god, I'm completely blanking on his name, but the captain, the elven captain, who falls in love with Browen?
0: Bronwyn? Bronwyn, uh, Arondir. You.
1: Arondir. Uh, thank you. Yes. His armor was amazing. Oh, yeah. Just, it, it looked like a living tree that he was wearing.
0: And I think I'm still thrown off by, I think it was Linden where the elves were. Like, they had halls, but they were also made out of trees somehow. Like, if you look down them, like... Yeah. These corridors.
1: The only design choice that I really didn't like was the Harfoots where they're camouflage people. They basically lived by hiding, which is fine. But all of the Harfoots that were women had these headbands that were like half the size of their head and covered in leaves and fruit that never died. (laughs) And possibly bird's nests. Yeah. That I did not like. Yeah, and Poppy kind of had these, like,
0: weird antler ear things going on the entire time, but they weren't actually, like, it was just, like, weirdly stuck up with these headbands.
1: I just, I understand the concept of hiding, and maybe this would be useful in hiding, but I feel like they had so many other cooler camouflage techniques that this was just bulky and annoying, especially to somebody like Nori, Mm -hmm. who was constantly getting into trouble. True. True very true i feel like that's like a weird small thing to be nitpicky and out about but it just annoyed the heck out of me
0: um yeah and numenor you know kind of inspired by elven um architecture and all that too was wicked interesting um and yeah just it was kind of cool just to see um all that. I also, as someone who has like no background in wardrobing at all, like I can't imagine the amount of hours that went into designing these outfits, um, and you know, tailoring it to individuals, to cultures, to the different races, so to speak. Um, also, the uh, the orcs were kind of scary when I first watched Lord of the Rings. As I watch more, I'm like, oh, they're just kind of like creepy okay that's fine but like there are points where like the orcs were terrifying especially the wearing skulls thing like yeah they were great they gave them a greatly terrifying jason Voorhees sort of vibe though your uh prevailing theory is that they kept wearing masks so they (laughs) could just have less makeup for the orcs
1: yeah i think that was a, a brilliant decision on the fx department (laughs) (laughs) saving millions right there but yeah (laughs) but it was still it was good for the effects though i think the but it did make me question what the heck were the skulls what were they skulls of
0: i mean some seemed apparent, like horses or this or that but like others were more strange yeah i don't know um and just as a nerd who had read the silmarillion i was intrigued to see you know, some of these more original or creative elements, like um, Adar, you know, being the first orc, who still looks like an elf, just you know, a little worse for wear and it, his mission to kind of, like, make a land for his people. Like, it doesn't necessarily make him sympathetic, but it, it's kind of intriguing to see this villain who's not just like, I want to rule the world because I want to.
1: Yeah, I'd Definitely like the characterization that they did with Adar.
0: hmm And this kind of, like, mysterious figure that the orcs revere so much. And, like, he does care about the orcs, but, again, he kind of has, you know, this ruthless nature of his own, too. But also sad about it at the same time. It's, like, it's interesting. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Arondir and Bronwyn. Uh, interesting role reversal because it's almost always a mortal man and an elvish princess or maiden or whatever. This way, it was reversed, but I liked it. Um, I also am still sticking with the fact that Bronwyn is my new favorite final girl especially after episode two where she beheads an orc and she slams its head onto the local tavern. is basically like, follow me if you want to live. <laughs>
1: which is very uncharacteristic for a healer. I think they were all a little
0: shocked. Yeah. <laughs> but then she's also just carrying the group along with a um, the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, and I think part of that was lended to her being a healer. So like the village already knew her. You
0: know what I mean? Right. It was also funny just to see Theo having his hatred for his not stepdad or whatever throughout. And then by the end, he's like, you know what? You're you're pretty OK.
1: Yeah, because like he's he's been taught to hate the elves. You know what I mean? So like, right. why would his mother fraternize with one?
0: Especially with his shitty friend that left him when they were in the village and just ran off with all the provisions. Yeah. Just like, bye. Good luck. I swear he was right behind me. Yeah. <laughs> um Halbrand I think we already discussed that a bit but is it, it like I kind of knew that like Sauron wouldn't look like what we had seen of him in prior movies but it is kind of fascinating to see him as this I don't say like average looking human but like to choose like that appearance like he could have appeared as an elf you know as something more majestic but he chose this kind of like rough around the edges looking guy to to appear as that and then work his way back to middle earth um and also i'm still on the fence as whether he actually wanted to heal middle earth because that whole uh, standoff with galadriel toward the end he's like i want to heal it and uh, i would make you a queen um so we could save Middle-earth. It's like, you mean rule. He's like, I see no difference. So it's like, eh, okay, clearly.
1: Yeah, and I also, I was thinking a slight tangent about that point. I was thinking more about it, and I feel like they had tried to play it as, like, he's actually romantically interested in Galadriel, and I feel like it's more akin to the relationship of, like, Hannibal Lecter and Agent Starling.
0: Ooh. Where, like
1: he's not actually in love with her but she he's enamored with her as a symbol of justice and an absolute when it comes to right and wrong Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's what he's always been in love with and for sauron and galadriel i feel like he is just in love with this dark part of her this rage Mm -hmm. and he's not he could care less about her, I mean, there's no denying that, of course, she's a very stunning human. Well, not human, but you know what I mean. Right. A very stunning person. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that matters to him. I think what matters to him is the potential darkness in her.
0: Yeah, he kept talking about, like, uh, you hold me to light and I'll hold you to power or something like that. Yeah, And um. like,
1: what it was like to fight with you. Like, you're amazing. Like, it. That, yeah. I think that was the aha moment for him. He was like, I could slay nations with this
0: one. Yeah. is that. And... I think we covered too, like the toxic thing where he tries to turn around. I was like, well, how would they, uh, re- how would the elves uh, receive you when they know that you were responsible for bringing Sauron back? You know, that whole like,
1: oopsie. Yeah, like it was just manipulation the whole time. He would never actually had any feelings for her.
0: I will say, if we're comparing the two, definitely more of a fan of uh, Hannibal Lecter and Starling's relationship versus these two, but. Oh, yeah. 100 yeah. percent uh which is why i hate all the random ships i saw on like tumblr and whatnot being like oh my god galadriel Hellbrand. i'm like except oh. they're mortal enemies like it's towards the beginning sure but like but like enemies to lovers is like a huge trope in romance so like i
1: see the appeal of it don't get me wrong i just don't think it's what people want necessarily but also side note so galadriel spends most of the series Grieving her dead brother. Oh, right. (laughs) And then casually mentions once that she was married and had a husband and he died in battle.
0: Right. That. That was like.
1: Did you. Was this a forced marriage? Like, did you not actually like this guy? Because we have never heard his name before now. Yeah. And it was like pretty far into the series. It was like
0: a couple episodes from the end. And I don't. Yeah, it was literally like the second to last episode also i could have sworn he's alive in lord of the rings maybe i'm getting my names mixed up but maybe she remarried yeah with the dead guy who is not dead
1: no wait maybe oh dear
0: (laughs) i don't know um yeah oh though also the enemies to lovers is one thing except when the enemy is the one who killed your brother and also thousands of people like you
1: you know small differences
0: that's kind of like the like person in the concentration camp falling in love with the guard.
1: Bad analogy. Bad analogy, too much? I don't much? think that's quite what you meant, but
0: Maybe not. But the point still stands of it's a little much. Anyway. Um So we had the stranger, we had Gandalf. Again, I'm sticking with the theory it's Gandalf because I like it. <laughs> I think it fits my sentiments so i'm sticking with it um and it it fits in with like you know he's this powerful figure who's intimidating but we've also saw that of gandalf when he would go off from time to time and basically be like stop fighting just listen to me um and i don't i'm not sure why they had him just drop out of the sky that seems like an odd way to be like oh the gods we're going to drop these uh minor powerful be- beings to uh help out the middle earth but we're also going to give them amnesia and make them basically useless unless somebody nurtures them
1: yeah literally they were just like yay good luck <laughs> <laughs> you're the gods you can't do better than this this is stupid
0: <laughs> yeah but like I-, I am glad that they like uh, unlocked his mind by the end so he's actually talking in full sentences again i'm like okay
1: and in english that's nice
0: and in english yes um so, and uh we get to see his garb is basically the same throughout he's wearing some sort of like, like bathrobe <laughs> throughout and literally with
1: it's like a woven thick like linen material i think it's it was like one odd. of the tents
0: or something like that that yes. he just wound, wound up just wearing the rest of the time um. Uh, and then you know the references of the Balrog at the end of at the bottom of Casa Doom. Now I don't know if it's implying that that's the same Balrog that was fighting the Elf and subsequently created Mithril.
1: I mean, I don't know how long they usually live, but he did look like smooth and young, I guess.
0: <laughs> I'd for a fire demon sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah i suppose though i was looking up when it, because that balrog is nicknamed doran's bane but again all the all the elven king or dwarven kings are called doran so technically it's dwarven the sixth not dwarven the fourth who is our doran that we see so i don't know if we'll see that in season two or if they're gonna be like yeah it's gonna be his grandson that dies and uh awakens the balrog in.
1: I'm not going to lie, when you said the Belrog had a nickname, I literally thought you were going to say, like, Benjamin. (laughs) Sparky! The Belrog. Firepuss. Firepuss. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize you meant it was, like, an actual, like... (laughs)
0: Well, a title, perhaps. A title, there we go. Title, not nickname.
1: (laughs) Come here, firepuss.
0: Oh my god, I need that as art immediately. Just... (laughs) Balrog, the fire puss, or fire puss, the Balrog. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and then, I I feel like what I fell in love with with the Silmarillion was seeing uh, Aragorn's ancestors on Numenor. So to finally see this like, advanced culture, Atlantis-looking place, finally in the, token universe, it I I love seeing that. And I don't know what they were going for aesthetically. I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it, I liked how they had this thriving culture that had like, kind of like influences like Roman Empire sort of thing to That's it. That's what
1: I got, like Roman or Greek Empire.
0: But like, their armor was very much reminiscent of like medieval England and that sort of stuff. But
1: make it island.
0: But make it island, <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: there was a lot of like seahorse motifs and their armor were all scales right like it was
0: yeah and isildur i understand we're supposed to love him but he's an idiot so like he's a lovable i don't idiot, love I him what we're supposed to love him well he's just a young man trying to do his best i don't know okay sure but elendil elendil is the mvp uh he put up with galadriel's crap he put up with the queen's crap when she was uh accusing him of treason uh, he
1: didn't die a fiery death by volcano. He
0: That's, didn't die a fiery death of volcano. That one he, point. He mourned his son. He returned with his queen and was willing to return to Middle Earth even despite all that pain. Um. And yeah.
1: I do really want to know what happened to his wife, the Horse Whisperer.
0: <laughs> the Horse Whisperer.
1: <laughs> no, seriously, he was saying that like he learned how to like communicate with horses through his wife. like who was she i want to know true whisper
0: yeah yeah i think it's implied that they grew up on the west side which was the west side the the western side of the island where they stayed through the elven ways
1: which is also like where a seal door wanted to go yeah and he kept hearing like the whisper of his name from the island which they never discussed they it was just like a thing that happened occasionally
0: I don't know if it was supposed to be like a literal whispering or if it's him just like spacing out and imagining like I'm being called to the west
1: I took it very literally but that could be a character flaw in myself
0: so I mean maybe it was supposed to be literal again like you said we never got that clarified true so um, yeah and then uh just cool to see the I am looking at the time I realize we've gone on a bit now uh, cool to see the design of the elven rings. I think it, I felt like it redeemed a mithril narrative a bit by explaining how it's all diluted and mixed with the iron or with silver and gold to make these rings. And Halbrand, aka Sauron, is involved with it, but they kind of like subvert that by making three rings. So he, the, the, they still keep us like it's secret from him. And they're cutting ties, which is a little different from the original story, but, um, but I, d- I did like how that led into that. I'm interested to see if they'll get to the dwarven rings and, you know, the, the rings rest for of men. Them. The rest of them <laughs> in season two, and how that goes.
1: And supposedly, uh, Galadriel was the only one around with a Valinor uh, metal dagger. Right, so exactly. We'll be interested to see how that goes.
0: Right, again, like nobody had remnants of Valinor, Valinor. Uh, gold and whatnot. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. Um. So, for my part, season two, I I want to see more of the dwarves and the elves. See how that turns out. I want to see them return to Middle Earth. I am. I mean, it's inevitable. I don't want to see the fall of Numenor because I really hope things work out, but. I am interested to see how that tide changes. Because we saw that conflict, you know, with public opinion. Help the elves, or forget the elves, the elves are our enemy, and to see how that turns.
1: The political intrigue of it, yeah.
0: Right. Because the queen still seems to be like, let's help Middle-earth, but her cousin, the counselor guy... He was. He
1: didn't really give a damn either he way. He didn't but really. He
0: he, wanted, he was playing the situation as he wanted, and he definitely seems a lot more cunning.
1: It was. It, it, I didn't even get cunning from him. I got. He's playing the long game, while his queen is playing the short game. Is basically what he was saying.
0: Remind me a little bit of like Palpatine, like trying to like play the system for how he wants to do it, like like you but said, but from
1: within the system.
0: But within the system, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I can get that.
0: So, I'm interested to see that. I also want to know how how Ran, Sauron, whatever, go where he goes from here. Because last we saw, he was technically killing a bunch of orcs. And the orcs don't want anything necessarily to do him. Adar certainly doesn't want anything to do with him. So, does he just wander into Mordor and, like, disguise himself? Or does he, like fight for control against Adar and like reclaim their loyalty like he he's like one of the great deceivers so whatever they do should be interesting to see how that plays out I'm just wondering how we get from point A to point B at this point
1: yeah yeah I hope it gets a second season
0: yeah and if nothing else we get to see more of Disa and Doran and all them Galadriel and Galadriel kicking more ass yes more enraged than ever.
1: I do also want to see her come into her like full scary witch power. Yes, I'm like ready.
0: Yeah, again, that seems to be tied to the ring in some way that she bears, but I I don't know. I don't recall all the specifics of that. So I I keep my fingers crossed. We get a second season. Um, see how that goes. But um, I think we've uh kind of exhausted our talk of Tolkien. For the time being, so I think we'll wrap it up there. I'm not sure exactly what I have next on the agendas for discussion points. I'm also looking at our wonderful dog who's looking very expectant at us like, you're going to give me belly rubs?
1: Would you like to contribute, honey?
0: <laughs> that looks like a no. She's playing possum. And now she's sniffing the microphone. <laughs>
1: Okay, no thoughts, empty head for the (laughs) huddy.
0: No thoughts, only floof. Uh, (laughs) So we'll see what's next on the agenda, but thank you for sticking along with me for this ride, and thank you, Angela, for once again uh, having this discussion with me. I appreciate it. Um, So, yeah, thank you for listening once more. Uh, Tune in again next time for Mike's Millennial Falcon. I've been your host, Mike Linehan, and uh, have a good one, folks.